and at first glance they've got everything figured out. With everything set in stone, securely embedded in their community, wrapped up with their loved ones, their lives like a finished work of art. But it's only just a trick of perspective, because you can't see the cracks from so far away. How insecure their footing, how malleable they really are. How many years of effort went into shaping their persona into something acceptable? How many other hands it took to build their lives, which are still only ever a work in progress? It's the kind of basic human vulnerability that we'd all find familiar, but is still somehow surprising when we notice it in others. It's an open question why we have such public confidence and such private doubts. Maybe that contradiction is what keeps us moving. Wanting to be more than what we are, and never be satisfied. Maybe it lets us keep our distance to avoid too much friction as we brush past each other. Or maybe it's what draws us together—the only irreplaceable thing we still need each other for. Just one last excuse to keep stopping by, so we can prop each other up and remind ourselves that nothing is set in stone—not even who we are or who we pretend to be. Or who we pretend to be. I think it's too hot now. Roy, can you turn it down just a skosh? It was cracking last week, and I turned my sensitivity down, and then we had to turn that up. So anyway, do you feel broken this morning? You ever had the experience of feeling brokenness in your life? You know, we we tend to when we feel broken, we tend to put a front on, we put a face on, we try to hide that from other people so that either we don't have to acknowledge it or admit it ourselves or for sure they wouldn't see us as being a broken person, something that we don't want them to see us as. I I have uh just thought about so many things in the last couple of weeks as we have engaged in this series called Broken Broken Together. And uh, there's a song by Casting Crowns, actually, called Broken Together, and, and, and that was sort of the inspiration. A couple of us here, when we were working on the building, listened to it over several times, and there was a, something happening in this other person's life that I was working with, and it just really spoke to him about how in our relationships, um, there is no hope of us being perfect. There is no hope of us being fixed here so that there never is any friction, never any conflict or anything like that. And, and so what, what, we, what we can hope to do is, is not fix the other person or even seek to fix ourselves, but to, to walk through this journey of life broken together. Not against, but with one another. Last week we looked at weaknesses, the fact that we all have them. And, and that we don't really like to have them, and we would really like most of them to be fixed, but ultimately, um, we talked about how it's, it's likely that God doesn't want to fix all of our weaknesses. In fact, um, our weakness is a strength, because, because our strengths are actually an enemy to our servanthood towards God. Uh, the statement that was made uh, was this, the Lord has more need of our weakness than our strength. Our strength is his rival. Our weakness is his servant. It's true. And, and really, the, the first thing we need to do is admit the fact that we are. We're weak. We're broken. But here's the amazing thing, and 
And the, the couple songs that, that you picked out before this, what truth in there, right? As you were singing that, did you just feel the amazing sense of the mercy and grace of God? Could you imagine being the person that wrote Amazing Grace? Do you know who that was? Do you know what he did? Can somebody help me? I can't remember who that was. What was his name? Who wrote Amazing Grace? Somebody. John Newton. What was he? He was a slave trader. He put people in chains and sold them as property. Stuffed them into bottoms of ships. Hauled them to America. Now, he didn't write the chorus that we sang this morning, My Chains Are Gone, but, but what a great chorus addition to that song. Can you imagine the incredible sense of forgiveness that he felt when he recognized his sinfulness before God and what he was doing against God and against humankind? And he realized that God's grace and mercy was poured out on him even at that moment? When he was doing that very thing. What amazing grace. How sweet the sound, he said. I can't even imagine. And, and then the second, the, the last song that we sang. Again, um, just such true, true words. How good. What a, what a gift it is that we have. And, and the fact that, that, that he offers this to us, that we have this, this very day, no matter how broken we are, no matter how weak we are. In fact, I'm sure when Newton, and I'm guessing he was laying flat on the ground just weeping over his acknowledgement of his sin, How weak he felt like he was. And God is like, you know what? This is right where I want you. (laughs) So this morning we're talking about clay pots. I went through the gamut of of titles to this. You know, cracked pots. God uses cracked pots. Crack pots? Eh, probably. But just think about that. Weaknesses. Sin, brokenness. It doesn't do any good to hide it. First of all, especially from God. But, but, but why even hide it from each other? Well, I don't want everybody in town talking about me. Well, is that who you are? Would it be wrong? Would it be bad if they talked about you? How you really are? Talked to somebody this week. He said, I usually just kind of, you know, I don't, I'm not that open with people. I, I, I sort of put on a front and I put on a face and I show, you know, kind of people what I, I want them to see. And, and I looked at him and I said, dude, I, yeah, we, we do that. That's not me. There was a window right there. I said, I'm as transparent as that window right there most of the time. Because I found that when I am, I don't risk people somehow putting me up on a pedestal where I shouldn't be. And then when I fall off or get knocked off or they find out who I really am, they're hurt or offended or I let them down. It's just who we are. You know, let's... Why not? Why not? Why not sit down with a good friend over a cup of coffee and say, you know what? I am just struggling with something. 
Whatever it is. And let it out there. Maybe you haven't even told God. He knows. But at this point, you somehow think you've hidden it from him. (laughs) That he doesn't know. When you say the words, then you know for sure in your head that he knows. You know, walking the journey of our lives isn't supposed to be done alone. We were created as relational beings. It's to be done together. With one another. Supposed to be lived in Christ. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say uh, here this morning that none of you came to church hoping that the sermon would be a real downer today. You know, I really hope Pastor Dave takes us to the pit of despair. Right? I'm pretty sure you didn't come thinking that. Because that's not what we want, right? Every day in everyday life, we don't want that. We don't want to be there. We often times find ourselves there. But that's not where we want to be. What we want to be every day is renewed, restored, encouraged, refreshed. Now, we've all had those times. We've all had those moments where it's just like, oh, man, I... It just feels so good right now, whether it's in your relationship with your wife or with your kids or, or uh, uh, with somebody at work or with the Lord. Man, I, you, know, you ask somebody, hey, how are you doing? Oh, man, I- I'm fine as frogs here. Life couldn't be any better for me right now. And it's like, praise the Lord, what a great place to be. We've all been there, but we know that when we're there, it's likely that it's going to seep away. It's going to leak away, and we're going to find ourselves discouraged and alone and lost and wondering things again. So what does it mean? What does it look like to be renewed day by day? Well, I think we're going to see that today. If there is a secret to be renewed on a daily basis, wouldn't you want to know it? I mean, I would love it if we could just, I would, you know, you you go out to the garage and you try and start the car and it doesn't start. So what do you do? You put the battery charger on it and a couple hours later you come back, you take the charger off and it starts right up, right? Or, or you, you have something in your garage for your motorcycle or your ATV where you, you use it, you bring it back, you park it, you plug it in and it, it keeps the battery charged. Wouldn't it be great if we could do that with our own lives? You know, sleep is supposed to do that for our physical body. But wouldn't it be great if there was some sort of source that we could plug our life into where where we would be refreshed and renewed day by day? Isn't there one? (laughs) Right? Amen. Yes, there is. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 if you're not already there. First, I'm sorry, second. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I want you to look at verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 16. Paul uses a word which is very important in in trying to understand the Bible. It's the word therefore, okay? But here's what he says. Therefore refers to everything that he just talked about, and we're going to look at that here in a second. But this is what he says. We do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly inwardly we are being renewed day by day. 
Now, I have three observations this morning from this passage that we're going to be looking at. The first is this. We have been given treasure. We have been given treasure. We just sang about it. This grace, this truth that we find, this salvation that we find in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, God. We have been given treasure. Uh, Go to verse 1 of chapter 4. Therefore, since through God's mercy... We have this ministry. We do not lose heart. God's mercy towards us. God has given us this. So rather, verse 2, he goes on, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. This treasure that we have, it comes from God. It's been given to us by him. Paul says that one, this is one reason we don't lose heart because we've, given, we've been given something that's an incredible treasure. In Christ, it's because we've received this gift that we have renounced secret and shameful ways, Paul says. Now, I think this applies to two things. First, it applies to the ministry of bringing the gospel to people. That's the context that Paul is talking about this in. And and there are things that happen in his weaknesses, and we saw those last week. Again, I'd encourage you to listen to the message from last week if you're just jumping in here today for the first time. But Paul says, we've turned turned from those things. We we, we don't do that like other apostles who are trying to be famous themselves in this new upstart faith. Paul says, we've turned from that. We don't use deception. We don't use lies. We don't mislead from the truth. We don't distort God's word. We've renounced those things. We're not going to do them. There are those that will, but it's not going to be us. We have been given by God's mercy this gift, Paul says, and we are going to proclaim it legitimately and true to God's word. And then he says, Satan is going to try and confuse people. He's going to try and hide this from them. He doesn't want them to hear this. He doesn't want them to believe it. He's going to blind the minds of those who don't believe. He's going to put a veil over it so they can't see it. As Stan Caffey prepared for married life, he and his bride-to-be each lived in separate places. They went through their own garages and they gave stuff to Goodwill because they're going to combine households. Between the two of them, they sold an assortment of clothes, bicycles, tools, computer parts, and a tattered copy of the Declaration of Independence that had been hanging in Stan's garage for the last 10 years. Stan's trash, however, turned out to be another man's treasure. That particular version of the Declaration of Independence was a rare copy made in 1823. A man named Michael Sparks spotted it, purchased it for $2.48 and sold it at auction for $477,650. 
Not a bad prophet. Kathy, when asked this about this, of course, was later quoted as saying, I'm happy for the Sparks guy. If I still had it, it would still be hanging here in the garage, and I still wouldn't know that it was worth what it was worth. Somehow his eyes had been veiled. He didn't see it. He didn't see the value and the truth of what was right before him. And my hope and my prayer is that as you sit here and as if you're not a Christ follower, as you are seeking to understand who Jesus is, that, that, you, would, that you would search out, that you would do investigation as Mr. Caffey should have done with this copy of the Declaration of Independence. And I know, just as this guy did, that when you do, you will find the value and the truth and the grace and the mercy that's found in the name of Jesus Christ. Something that he offers us, even as we are selling slaves, even as we are, as King David did, having an affair, having her husband killed, continuing on in his, menace, in, in, in his kingship. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Satan is blinding people's eyes. But Paul says we will go on witnessing to people about Jesus Christ because it's not about us, it's about him. Verse 5, for what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Our neighbors, our co-workers, those we run into at an airport, our parents, Oh, dang it. Our parents, our spouses, our children. We don't lose heart in talking to them about the gospel because we have been given this incredible treasure and it isn't about us, it's about him. Now, as Paul continues his train of thought, he makes... um, That makes no sense. As Paul continues his train of thought, he makes not of our humanity... Look at verse 7. Sorry, the fly distracted me. I think, but we have this treasure in jars of clay, Paul says. And then at the very end in verse 16, he says, outwardly we are wasting away. He's simply pointing out the truth of us in our humanity. Whether it's life as a full-time missionary or as a janitor or as a lawyer, we are jars of clay. What does Paul mean by that, jars of clay? Well, it means, and, and the, the observation here is that we are outwardly wasting away. Outwardly, we are wasting away. It, it's a statement of fact. I looked this morning, and you can get a clay pot at Walmart for about five bucks. You know, the sort of red ones that you see laying around our house, they're under the deck right now. At the end of the summer, we just kind of kick them under there. Sometimes, literally, well, I do. Sarah's probably a little more careful. <clears throat> but, but, you know, at the, at, then when, when spring comes, you go dig all of that stuff out, and some of them are broken, some of them are cracked, and you discard them. It's nothing to go to Walmart and buy another one. There are other ways, other things that you can put plants in. I found another website that had brass pots. They, they started at $800, and they went all the way up to $3,000. 
Okay, now there's a difference here in that a clay pot is not going to withstand the pressure and the use that one of those brass pots is going to. You don't just treat one of those brass pots as something to be discarded because it's not disposable. Now, I'm not saying that we're disposable, but, but what Paul is saying is that we are weak vessels. We are worth something, but, but we are weak vessels. I mean, look at your own body. Now, if you're younger, this hasn't hit you yet, but if you're over 40, your body just doesn't do what it used to do. You know, the mind is willing, but the flesh is weak. That becomes a reality. You bend down to tie your shoes, and then you pause and look around and see if there's anything else you can do while you're down there. There's sickness. There's disease. We visit doctors more often. Work wears us out more. The older our children get, sometimes the more tired we get and the more effort it takes. Relationships wear us out. We get tired. We get run down. We get weary of doing good or making right decisions. Sometimes we just throw up our hands and say, let's forget it. Ever tried to follow a budget? Right? We've all experienced that. You get towards the end of the month and you're like, man, there ain't no way. Forget it. Swipe the card, swipe the card, swipe the card. We get tired and we give up. We resign ourselves. There's no fight left in us. And Paul is saying it doesn't have to be that way. Because we can be renewed day by day by day. Anyone ever get frustrated because your neighbor can't see how great Jesus is and that he's the Messiah? And then what happens? We run out of fight. We can be crushed. We can, be, we can fall into a state of despair. We can feel abandoned. We can feel utterly destroyed. I, I think we've all been there on the edge of that at one point in time or another. I... I usually call that the valley of death. Or, or when it's really, really serious, uh, some authors have called it the dark night of the soul. I mean, that moment in time when you really seriously question things. What, what is the next step? How do we become renewed from that? I've been there. I've had extremely difficult things happen in my life that persisted day after day after day after day after day. And, 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 and there, there comes a point where you just want to say, I can't do this anymore. Paul says we don't have to end up there. That we can be renewed every day. That even though outwardly we are wasting away, which is truth, our life is but a mist, just a short blip on the timeline of life. But Paul says, inwardly, we are being renewed. Look at verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. 
We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We are hard-pressed, aren't we? But we are not crushed. We are perplexed sometimes, right? I don't understand this situation. I don't understand this pain. This is hard. Why did this happen? We can be perplexed about things like that, but but we don't have to despair. Are we persecuted? You bet we are. Some more than others. Happens in our public schools. It happens in our colleges. My kids have experienced it. I've experienced it, but in the midst of those things, God hasn't abandoned me. Because, again, in those experiences and in those times, it's not about me, it's about him. I need to shift my mind. This gifts class that, that, that we've been doing the last two weeks is just rocking my world with some of my thoughts and attitudes and how I think about life. We're often struck down. Cancer, heart issues, kidney issues. We can be struck down by those things. And generally speaking, for all of our lives, there's two outcomes, right? We continue to live or we die. Paul says, we are struck down, but we aren't destroyed. I mean, the reality is we may end up losing our life. There are missionaries, there are Christians in other countries who have been martyred for what they believe. They, the world would say they have been destroyed, but ultimately we know that's not true. They have been transferred into the promised land to eternity in heaven. As believers in Christ, they are in his very presence. No, we will not be destroyed because of this treasure that we have. Interesting reason Paul gives for this treasure, isn't it? Or, or, or for these things that I just talked about, being um, struck down and those things. Paul says, um, I mean, did you catch it when we read those verses? We are clay pots for a reason. We aren't strong. We aren't brass pots. We are clay pots. Verse 7, Paul says, this is why these things happen. To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. It is a divine purpose. Sounds a lot like Paul in chapter 12, doesn't it? He repeats it again. He wants to get this across to us that, 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 that being weak is good. Because that's when we're strong. Because that's when we plug into the power that we have been given. Verse 7 of chapter 12, Paul said it this way, In order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. God didn't want me to become prideful about who I am, how strong I am, what I can accomplish. God wanted to make sure that I was humble before him. Some of us in here would say, I don't know how much more humble I could get. Right? 
I mean, there are times when you lose, when a, when a very, very close friend is killed in a car accident, for instance, and it's just right there. Sometimes it's all you can do to take a breath. But when we call out to him, that's where that breath comes from. Here are the reasons we are inwardly renewed day by day. In the next few verses, Paul continues to describe our decaying bodies and our hope in Christ. Verse, verse 10, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. It was interesting we sang that song just before, before the, the message because that's what it was talking about. So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. That is a treasure. And when you are facing something difficult, you can say that the power of God who raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead is alive in you, in me, in the face of that thing. And if that doesn't renew your soul and your heart in that moment, All this, Paul says in verse 15, is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Have you had any of those moments this week where you just were at the end, there was no fight left in you? What did you do? Did you plug into the power of God? In our brokenness, in our weakness, in our sin, that's the step that we need to take. Therefore, Paul says in verse 16, because all of this is true and is powerful in our lives, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen and what is eternal. Are, are you struggling today? Is there the sense of there being no fight left in you? I've talked to some of you at various times throughout the course of the last year, two years, three years, four years. I know what you've been through, and I know that you've been in this place before. Yet there was something that gave you the power to sustain your marriage or your family or your job your relationship with Jesus Christ, what was that it was being plugged into? 
this grace, this treasure. By fixing your eyes on Jesus. I don't have five things to do this week for you. In fact, I've kind of struggled with that over the last couple weeks. It's like, what do I want people to do? And sometimes it's like we, we give you thing after thing, new thing one week, new thing the next week. Every, every Connect card, there's a couple things you can choose on the tab, and it's like you, 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 you're not even to the point where last week is really soaking in yet, and you're already moving on to the next thing. So it just becomes the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. We are weak. We are broken. We are pressed. We are perplexed. Here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Because what you see, think about this, what you see before you, whether it's cancer or a death of someone or or a a struggling relationship or or whatever, I I sat with a good friend of mine weeping my heart out to him. And at the end of the conversation, one of the pieces of wisdom that he gave me was, David, what I do know from the bottom of my heart, I don't know how it's all going to turn out, I don't know how this is going to be restored or or, or whatever, I do know this. This too shall soon pass. So let's fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. And that that is unseen is our Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you living life at breakneck speeds and you haven't, you, maybe, maybe this is the first time this week you've opened your Bible. Maybe you didn't even bring a Bible. This is one of the tools that God has given us to plug into the power that is available to us. Maybe for you this week that's, that's getting on your knees, spending some time just Pouring your heart out to the Lord where you're at and what you're feeling and what you're thinking. How you're struggling. And then asking him what he wants you to do. I believe he'll tell you. But here's the thing. We got to be honest about who we are and where we're at. We got to take the mask off. We got to admit our weakness. Surrender the strength. I was talking to my dad a couple days ago and I asked him how he's doing. He's not been feeling well. One of my brothers sent me a message here a few weeks ago that said, Dad's feeling good. So I thought, you know, I'll just double check and make sure he's still feeling good. Well, he said, you know, it's up and down. It's up and down. Some days I feel good, some days I don't. And I said, well, at least it's not all down. And he kind of chuckled. But honestly, I think I said something that my dad had never thought about before. Of all people, I would think that he would. 
But it's true. It was a good reminder to enjoy and relish the days where I feel good. Pressed but not crushed. The Lord has more need for our weakness than of our strength. Take time this week, every day, to just sit in the presence of God. Lay your struggles down before him. Praise him for the good things, if that's where you're at. Tell him about what you're experiencing and how you're feeling about it. And allow him to refresh you. Maybe you didn't even ask for that. Lord, refresh my spirit today. I'm wasting away on the outside. My knees are creaking. My body hurts when I get out of bed. But you can renew me on the inside. And if you're here today and you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, maybe this morning he has begun to remove that veil that's been covering your understanding, your willingness to receive that. And then there's this. Maybe you make that phone call this week and you call that friend or you make that appointment with your wife or your husband because you, your schedules are just so crazy that you've got to schedule each other in, right? And you sit down with them and you say, you know what, I haven't said anything about this for a long time. I'm really struggling with it. It's this. And allow them to come alongside of you and to pray with you. There's this verse in James. I gave it to you, right, Roy? Is there a verse? James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. What if we did that? What if we were broken together? What could God do with us as people, as a church? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your amazing grace. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it this morning. Thank you. And Father, I pray that I'm sure there's 200 different struggles represented in this room this morning. Weaknesses. Maybe it's persecution. Maybe it's sin. Lord, I pray that we, as we walk out of here this morning, that you would not let us forget what you have spoken to our hearts this morning as we have sat here. And oh, Lord, I pray that as we plug into the power of the Holy Spirit in our life that comes through faith in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, that you would renew our souls that you would renew us from the inside out. 
that you would give us a right perspective of our life before you and together with those who are close to us and who may one day be close to us. And Lord, as we live that life, may others look on that and say, that's cool. I want that light in my life. May we take take advantage of the opportunities that you give us to share the good news of the gospel with others. In Jesus' name, amen.